Welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. Today, we are joined by Joe Jeffrey. And Joe's actually got a special place in my heart because he mm-hmm. was the first guy to ever have me on a podcast ever a couple years ago. So, yeah, yes, yeah, sir. So, we're bringing Joe on to discuss today all things estrogen. We got a cool little like subtopics in there we're going to kind of break down. Um, Joe basically said he could talk for hours, so he'll probably be a future guest as we keep deep diving on this. But uh, first, I want to turn it to uh, Jeffrey Sue and find out if he's been kicked out of any other fucking gyms this week. What's up? What's up? No, I have not. I actually found a a new gym to work out at. And, um, you know, the owner actually invited me over there because he thought that I was some pissant personal trainer. And uh, I was like, no, I'm not a personal trainer. I'm a coach. And then, and then, and uh, he was, he, he clearly didn't care. He doesn't know the difference, but he thought that I wanted a place to work. And I was like, no, I just want a place to scream in peace on the hack squat with nobody bothering me. So we worked out a deal, gave me a good discount. I'm now a member of the gym. And he said to me, he's like, are my personal trainers going to start losing business to you? And I was like, most likely they will over time. I was very honest. He was honest. He nodded. I smiled. I left and that was it. So um, other than that, Jeff, uh, you know, life is good. I'm just extremely busy. You know, I haven't even showered yet today. My hair is a mess. Uh, those of you who can't see it, great. I don't want you guys to see it in my vulnerable state right now. But I am just running, up, running around with like, like, a, like a chicken with its head cut off. I just got off the phone with my lender. Uh, we were going through my financial statements. He wanted to see every single move I made, every transaction made in my money market accounts and all this bullshit. So my entire life is in someone else's hands, you know, as stated in my finances. So that's my life right now, trying to close on this house. And of course, business is going great. Um, And that's it. Yeah. Good, man. Sounds like a lot of third world problems in there, but it sounds like it's all (laughs) I'm blessed, man. You know, like I, I can't really complain. I'm just trying to, you know, like sometimes like I wonder like, what's the point of all this? Like, what's the point of like, buying a house like you know like I have some people living in my apartment complex who are like old right and they sold their houses homes or so they could move into this apartment complex and it's like what's the next level you know is there a a next level I guess it's all individual no whatever makes you happy you don't have to chase it you could live in a thousand square foot house if you wanted Okay, I'm moving back home with my parents (laughs) hey man (laughs) if that makes you happy (laughs) do it (laughs) God, I don't want to get those. I don't want to be on that text thread if that happens. You can <laughs> remove me right now. Um, Jason, how's it been for you? You were on a little trippy trip. I was. I uh, went out to Southern California, more specifically Santa Clarita area. Um, had a blast. Lots of training. Uh, good company. Good eats. Um, took a hot air balloon ride over uh, Santa Barbara Valley. It was fucking incredible were you freaked about the power lines like you're gonna like straight like i'll have to send you more pictures i mean it's just straight wilderness irrational and, fear i guess talking there yeah and then a guy literally had been all over the world he he had never missed a landing on this road he, he nailed it with us he's done it 475 times now so it was, it was cool um so that was awesome i stayed off my phone as much as i could except for peak week clients um it was the trip I needed. Um, came back. I'm, I'm swamped, but I think by about nine to 10 tonight, I'll be caught up. So 
um, it was well worth it to go out, even though I'm a little behind today. So uh, that was awesome. Um, we do have a new flavor dropping very soon at New Ethics. It's going to be peanut butter. It's going to be the bomb. Mm. And, peanut uh, butter what? Protein? Yep. Yep. Peanut Sweet. butter protein. I love that. And then uh, we got our new flame defense uh, coming out in like two weeks after that, the one uh, that I had a big hand in designing. So cool things there. Business as busy as can be, which is good. I'm not complaining. I'm like Jeff said, I'm blessed to do what I do. But um, anytime you take five days away, um, even though you tell people not to email you, people email you. And so uh, you got to cover all those. Plus then you know, I had Monday while I was in and out of the airport. So I never got my Monday done. So that was lingering this morning. And so now I'm behind on Tuesday, but I uh, hope to get caught up tonight after the pod. So all in all, great stuff, man. I'm in a great mood and it was the trip I needed. So badass man well um, my last seven days have been awesome i work with sarah d you know get you actually work with her jason yeah since, uh, yeah i've been doing that business consulting with her since i yeah. started in august we helped onboard 17 new clients so wow. i've been really enjoying working with the coaches because they've been getting more clients since i've been working with them but i've been oh, yeah. working like in their businesses with them and yeah. so i've enjoyed that thing it's been a it's been a nice break from always coaching yes, your thyroid sucks. We need to work on it. You know, stuff like that. It's been really, really nice to work with young coaches who want to build a business and teaching them like, Hey, this is like 15 years of failure that I'm teaching you in 60 minute zoom consults. Um, I've been doing those whiteboard videos. I've been digging those. Um, I stole them from Austin. Um, I had to beg his forgiveness, but he was pleasantly nice to me about it. Apparently said that I owe him a leg workout on Sue when uh, we're out. So I'm sorry, Sue, we get a whole nother, thrashing of your cns to arrive out there and then uh i leave thursday for destin florida for my guys trip we rented a boat we have eight hours at crab island on friday and i have all the psychedelics i need and booze at my disposal <laughs> yeah. and at least a pound of i'm gonna smoke so much dope that snoop dog and vanilla ice are gonna want to come fucking hang with me um but i'm looking forward to it we got this really nice beach house our own private pool and jacuzzi so it's going to be a good rowdy three days. I'm threatening Jr. that when he passes out, I'm going to cover him in a Trump flag. Um, so he's like, <laughs> he's not, he's not a fan of me about that. But um, before I get into our guests, I got to go over a few things real quick. As you all know, we have the Physique Education Collective that is in Denver, October 16th and 17th. Um, we have selected our three who will be presenting. One is Dr. Christina. She is doing over pregnancy and everything that regards to that postpartum. Um, we have Jason Phillips joining us and he is teaching, uh, going to go over how to become a six figure coach in 12 months or less. And then we have Matt joining us who is going to be discussing the spine and all the intricacies of the, the health involved with that. So those coaches will be going Friday, four five and six out in Denver. And then Saturday, we're going to kick off the main ticket with the coaches, myself, Jason, Sue, Jamie Pender, Austin, um, and Vince will all be presenting. Am I forgetting someone in there? No, I'm not. I don't think so. But um, we'll all be presenting out there in Denver. It's going to be a great time. We only have 16 tickets left. And Vince was talking about buying up 10 so <laughs> for his coaches. So if you guys are wanting to go, this ain't pressure. But because of COVID restrictions, we can only fit 50. And we're almost at max um amino asylum guys they've been doing awesome we appreciate your support tc15 um i know the Carn is what we always push but um i have a stack that i'm gonna be sending out when i announce our winner it's got pyro and some other cool stuff so be sure to let me know 
I know that the uh, Tadalafil is the bomb. I did get some of that and really enjoyed it for my workout pumps. Boners all abound. No, I didn't have any boners, but I had like really good vascularity. I mean, I haven't like smacked it in a few days. I can send it <laughs> later if you want me to. Like just me smacking it. Um, but anyway, I want to get to our guest, Joe. Joe, how's your last seven days been? I hope better than a hot air balloon ride. <laughs> Dude, what are you talking about? That was amazing. <laughs> hot air balloon ride. Firstly, thank you guys for having me. Anybody that doesn't know me, my name is Joe Jeffrey. I'm from England. You can probably tell from the accent. Hopefully, you can understand what I'm saying. At least I'm not Scottish. If I was Scottish, you wouldn't have a clue what I was saying. Um, I've been coaching for a long time, maybe like five or six years full time. Been podcasting with Austin. Like listeners of this will know Austin Stout had the OPD podcast with Austin for years now. And yeah, my last seven days were pretty much the same as every day of my life. In fact, no, last weekend I did something quite unique. Me and my wife and my dog went and stayed on a canal boat in Manchester, which is the opposite side of the country to what we live in now. When we met, Jasmine, my wife, lived in Manchester and I was living in Northampton, which is where we live now. So spent a lot of time up there. We had a little trip, but I work weekends anyway, so I was just doing check-ins on a canal boat. Um, it was good. Well, it was good until the dog stood on a piece of glass and um, oh. ruined his paw. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I nearly swore then. Nah, you can swear. You can say whatever you right. want. <laughs> so he's got a bit of glass, bless him. So, but yeah, I mean, every day is the same for me. Usually, just doing check-ins, training, and then doing a podcast. I've got a few podcasts. I've got OPD with Austin, which I mentioned. I've also got one that no one will enjoy listening to, but for some reason, has a huge fan base in England. Just called Carbscast. Um, but in fact, Jeff, you were on it once. In fact, Jeff, last time you were on it, you were talking about psychedelic. Since yes, then. Since then, I've experimented and got into using mushrooms. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I've been microdosing for months now. Um, you enjoying the experience? Yeah, it's great. I find it really useful for like, you know, there's articles I've been putting on my website and stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of them have got like 50, 60 references and it's a, it takes a lot. You know, when you're trying to sit down and read through that much data, you get like, you, you realize you're reading, but you're not even reading. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just kind of, it's just words are flying over your head. You go, oh, I've got to reread that. On the days that I microdose, everything I read is like going in and I remember it, you know? Oh, you need to get yourself some LSD because the creative side, and the, it helps extremely with writing. Even Jason can commit to comment on oh, that. Oh, dude, I've, I've knocked out like 20-page ebooks in like four hours on it. It's wild, the creative uh, side too. I don't know where to get it, man. I don't know where to get it. We'll talk yeah, offline. <laughs> I actually came into some ketamine that I want to microdose. Um, yeah, because I've been doing about that. Yeah. Have you yeah. been doing that? No, I've heard about this. Something I want to try. I did do a couple like, well, I've done a few higher doses of mushrooms now. Like when me and my wife went to Amsterdam, I did mm-hmm. five gram. That was a bit mad. I um, bet that was a hell of an experience at five grams. I, I did three and thought I was coming out of my skin. I did five grams again a couple of weeks ago and it was because I, I don't vi- get like visual trips from mushrooms, but I realized I'm doing like <laughs> my wife was away for the night and I was sat playing Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation. Um, <laughs> and I realized that I'd been talking to the dog for about 45 minutes, but like a human, like we'd, I realized, like I realized what I was doing. I looked at him. He was looking at me like, what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> I just, you know, weird stuff like that. Yeah, or, no, it's good, yeah. man. It's a bizarre, bizarre experience because you like, 
I don't know if you're into mushrooms, Jeff, but you know when like like it feels like you're fully sober, but weird stuff's happening. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. I don't know if you're into mushrooms, Jeff. Like, do you know who Jeff is? I've got him like somewhere in my house right now that I'm waiting to like sprinkle on some food when I go out of town this weekend. So, uh, come and visit, bro. Yeah, no, I want to get out there. I actually, I was like I've said, I've tried, I wanted to bring you out here to the States to present in a uh, physique education collective with us because, as we're going to talk about, your knowledge of especially estrogen is just like mind blowing to me. Like, I resource a lot of your stuff when I want to learn more in depth or put together other pieces. So that's why I brought you on today uh, to talk about that. But um, with that being said, uh, well, today we're going to talk about estrogen. We have a few different like subtopics in it. The first one I want to get into is PD female use uh, in regards to estrogen, estrogen suppression, things like that. So I'll let you kind of uh, start steering the ship for us. Good, sir. Okay. Um, probably best we kind of clarify a real high level primer of like what estrogen is and what it does. Because that kind of sets up the stage. You know, similar to androgens, you could say, here's, here's what androgens do. Maybe like at the androgen receptor, this happens. Like they turn on this RNA expression of this anabolic pathway. But we can keep it high level and say, this is what they do. And then if you can imagine, it, uh, imagine potentiating that outcome, it starts to make sense. Um, estrogen is thought of as a single hormone, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just for clarity from here on in, it, it does encompass three different hormones estradiol estrone and estriol or estriol um each one will um have will be present at a different time within a woman's life but premenopausal women it's the 17 beta estradiol that we need to pay attention to so just for clarification anytime we use the word estrogen from here on out it's going to be referring to estradiol okay perfect um so some of the you know the basic things that that come to mind is just like androgens are responsible for many primary male characteristics, estrogen and estrogen dominance is responsible for female characteristics, so to speak. So like controlling fat deposition post puberty, which we know is going to be, you know, that female fat patterning, so to speak, like in the lower body and the breasts. Um, But conversely, it can inhibit fat storage in these areas via stimulating beta adrenergic receptors um and you mentioned peds well there are peds that are gender neutral so to speak and that's a term i'm going to come into in a second and how you build a safer use model with females but there are other peds that work under that same pathway and when we talk about safer use of peds it's important to remember the 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 importance of synergistic relationships and permissive relationships so if we could say Okay, look, this uh, estrogen stimulates the beta adrenergic receptor. There's other drugs we use that do that. You know, one plus one equals three kind of thing here. Um, what would be an example of that? Clenbuterol. Okay, clen. Okay. Um, estrogen also increases free fatty acid mobilization as well as limiting visceral fat storage. What other drug does that? Growth hormone, right? So we're seeing, you know, a few synergies being built up here. Um, so hence, as women progress through menopause, you see those lipolytic benefits are lost and, and body fat increases. You know, that's a, an example of an anecdote there. Um, so, you know, note the benefits of hormone replacement therapy this time. Um, estrogen is responsible for a reduction in appetite as well. Um, that's most notable at the peak of E2 serum in women that cycle normally. 
Um, so a consideration maybe why you don't want to slam your estrogen in a contest prep. Um, appetite could be an issue there. Um, in, estrogen increases bone mineral density, um, as does resistance training. And, you know, sarcopenia being a huge issue as we age. Another example anecdote of this, um, postmenopausal women. Um, like hormone attenuation is essentially the, the pr process of dying. You know, it's a very normal thing, um, but better living through modern medication, I suppose you could say. Um, estrogen increases insulin sensitivity, so you can look downstream there. It's going to improve nutrient partitioning. It, in, it um, increases the ability to utilize fat as an energy substrate in low to moderate intensity exercise as well. Um, it will also lower protein requirements. Um, an important note for women here as well, estrogen does increase storage of intramuscular triglycerides. But when you think about like what can get in the muscle cell, you know, you've got carbohydrate in the, few, in the form of glycogen or lipids, fat in the form of intramuscular triglycerides. Not such a pertinent point for a male, but intramuscular triglycerides in women has a large um, ability to fuel resistance training. Um, so important for women that resistance train, you don't want to attenuate estrogen. You can get increased fuel availability, increased substrate availability to that will facilitate specific adaptations to the imposed demand of training. You know, when you're trying to tick every box to result in hypertrophy, there you go. You can facilitate that a little bit easier there. Um, estrogen prevents inflammation, reduces free radical damage and reduces muscle soreness. Um, it's also been shown to potentiate the remodeling of skeletal muscle um, as strength and size gains are increased when estrogen is at its highest. Um, if anyone wants references for those points, you can find them on my website. And it's <laughs> yeah, no, you've done some deep dives on it. That's why I was, like I said, I wanted to bring What's it the up. website? Give it to them. JoeJeffreyCoaching.com. It's not really a plug because everything on there is free. But um, yeah, 100%. Uh, if you go on content i've got one i've got a presentation that i did on female birth control um and in the references there there's an estrogen section um okay. off my head it's references because that's the first one it's one to nine on the references i know that because i've given these out so many times um they're the estrogen specific references but that's what estrogen does so you probably get an idea oh well that all sounds pretty good you know right. i think that's that's the point so then my question would be well, how do you, th what do you think of PED use in women knowing that estrogen is as important as it is? And what I mean by that is the girls who are taking all the androgens at the various levels. What's your take on all that? Okay. So there's a few considerations we need to take a step back here and say, say um, we, we have these, we have these anabolic steroids, anabolic steroids, right? Can anyone else hear that? Yeah. Some feedback. It just picked it up. From my side, nope, it's good uh, to go now. Cool. Um, this is a difficult one. I will pres I'll, I'll premise this by saying women are androgen sensitive, um, therefore, when we have this parent hormone testosterone, basically, all the manipulations all the way from 1935 to now have essentially been trying to divorce um, testosterone's effects from androgenicity, right? Um, making it more psalm-like and we end up with steroidal psalms like primobolin and anavaric etc they they still have androgenicity less than testosterone but still some um, and just like non-steroidal psalms now that are in human clinical trials like osterine the, the problem is as the dose escalates 
tissue selectivity is lost and you get off target bleeds of androgenicity. Um, the reason I'm saying this in, in, with respect to estrogen is where would a woman get her estrogen from if she was going to use anabolic androgenic steroids? Um, historically it, it would be through testosterone, right? Um, the issue there being, if we're talking physiological levels of, of estrogen, fine, they could use a very, very small amount, very tiny, you know, one to two milligrams of testosterone per day. Um, if, if you can go that low, um, alongside maybe another anabolic stimuli. Um, but the problem being if, you know, we, we as physique athletes do things at super physiological levels, right? We, we want more. We want, you know, otherwise, why, why would we do anything? Just leave it. If you're a normal cycling woman, fine, unless you want to control your hormonal cycles, which, you know, there are reasons for that. And that's one reason why a lot of women use birth control. Um, the solution comes within the same vein as birth control is that, and this is something that I've done with um, only one of my actual female coaching clients, but many of the females that I consult with um, on PDU specifically, is if they are using a non-estrogenic anabolic androgenic steroid or SAM, steroidal or non-steroidal, you can use an exogenous estrogen to potentiate these effects that we're talking about here. Um, that's applicable in a in a woman because they're androgen sensitive. I will just note here, I, I just can't see the efficacy of using exogenous estrogen in a male who is androgen insensitive. There's, there's nothing wrong with moderate doses of testosterone in a man. Um, but yeah, that, that's the consideration for PED use there is that there is a place for estrogen. And also note that if you're going to take these high levels of, of androgens and you're going to create a negative feedback inhibition within the HPO axis, um, you're going to attenuate your estrogen. So maybe a woman that's taking, you know, something pretty normal like Anavar, um, there is going to be a, a reduction in serum estrogen following that. And you will lose out on some of these positives here, you know, um, quite, I mean, a good way to frame it is like, why does testosterone work so well? It's, e it's estrogen. Um, that's really one of the only novel things that testosterone can do. The other anabolic androgenic steroids don't do. I mean, metabolically, they all bind at the androgen receptor. They all transcribe anabolism at about the same amount. The only thing that makes testosterone unique, and there are other non-genomic effects of things like trembolone and the glucocorticoid receptor, whatever, you know, these, these off, these non-classical non-genomic pathways, yes, but the, the thing that makes testosterone different from other anabolics is quite literally the estrogen vector. Yeah, it's DHT, but that doesn't play a role in hypertrophy. Um, so, yeah, when you talk about how to how to mimic that in women, this would be the, the kind of stack design consideration here is you wouldn't necessarily have to raise the androgen vector. You could use an exogenous estrogen to achieve that and get a greater bang for your buck um, from non-androgenic stimuli. The first drugs on the table are usually like the last drugs on the, uh, the first drugs on the table for a woman tend to be like the last drugs on the table for a man. Like I said, moderate testosterone in a man. Yeah, fine, whatever. You know, androgen should be the last card you're pulling in a woman. Um, so an estrogen is just another thing that you can put in there of those multiple metabolic pathways that you've got to activate that result in anabolism. That makes sense, the way you just said that. You guys have any questions for... Uh, Dude, just, since we're on women right now, um, 
one of the things that I do to, to, to finally control estrogen in my women clients who want to use PEDS is I will use Novadex, but I will not use uh, Arimidex uh, very rarely. Uh, my thinking is to not crush estrogen too low, but still get some sort of effect in that way. Do you do things like, that way? Do you do something different? Do you think what I'm saying is full of shit? Any of it is fine. I'm just curious, and I'm sure our listeners would be too. Um, the consideration with tamoxifen is that it has somewhat of a double whammy effect hepatically that it does inhibit aromatase as well. Um, I, I don't tend to really modulate estrogen downwards ever in, in anyone. Um, but I, I can see the efficacy in the application of when it may be needed transiently and acutely. Um, if I was going to, yeah, I would, I would follow that, that model. Um, because, you know, women don't have the benefit of being able to so readily manipulate their androgen to estradiol ratio like a man would. Like, we could avoid aromatase inhibitor use, or we could avoid selective estrogen receptor modulator use by just adjusting that relationship of, of those two hormones at any receptor site, right? Um, women, again, androgen sensitive. So if you do need to attenuate estrogen, my kind of question, maybe I'd follow that up with why are you attenuating estrogen? Is it a, is it a, um, to dry um, out a little bit, uh, yeah, towards the, the end. Yeah. Do you ever attenuate androgens based on that? Well, most of the time they are on, you know, some sort of Anavar, maybe a low dose Primo, um, something along those lines, but I'm not usually upping them by any means at that point okay yeah yeah i mean that that is the efficacy you're probably it's like trying to find the lesser of two evils in a case like that isn't it yeah. um yeah i mean it's pretty clear that um i'm trying to the way that um chester rockwell described the effects of tamoxifen he used the word devastating to health and i always i always reference that and that is generally what you see when you compare like um there's, there's some interesting studies where we're comparing Arimidex and tamoxifen use in breast cancer patients as compared to um, no cases. Um, uh, sorry, I'm not using anything. And typically, uh-huh. even though the, um, the outcome is positive in the sense that they, re- they remove the, the cancer, um, the, the, um, the negative health outcome or rather when like the authors conduct the study to clarify why aromatase inhibitors when compared with tamoxifen they they increase disease free survival but they don't increase overall survival quite you know quite telling you know yeah. um the people don't actually live longer it's like okay god what are these actually doing you know the 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 ai toxicities were suspected to to counteract uh, the decreased recurrence rates of cancer. Scary. Um, but when we're talking transient use pre-contest or something, I think we need to pay attention to how acute these drugs do act. Using something from like six weeks out, it's kind of like, look, these, these, these effects are so transient, you can limit it way closer than that um, if, if you absolutely have to. But this is kind of why I'd like to see is maybe a call out. I was talking to one of the guys, um, I don't know if you... If you guys know the Fed NABA, it's a, it's a federation in England, quite well known. Yes, um, talk, yes. Talking to one of the 
the sort of head honchos at NABBA the other day. And he was saying they're making a big push for their female classes to very much move away from um, the hardness factor and even the super lean factor. They're going to be marking this down actively. And I thought, you know, I like that. Um, yeah. You know, if we can avoid that in, in females, because these are the people that, although men are certainly going to pay the price for <laughs> inhibiting aromatase long-term, um, believe me, I think we're in for a steep wake-up call on that. I think women especially, we don't want to be playing with stuff like that. What's your take on DIM then? Because I, I use DIM a lot myself, and I use it in women as well. Um, so right now, I'm not even taking an AI. I just take uh, – I have a product called Estracort. It delivers, you know, DIM, uh, calcium, deglucurate, a couple other things that help metabolize estrogen uh, naturally. Are you still um, against something like that or – that would be a better uh, avenue for women. Thoughts? Um, I mean, I don't want to talk negatively of any product that you sell. Um, you, I mean, it, you, I'm sure you haven't tied my product. If you don't like DIM or any of it, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's fine with me. I'm just curious what, what, you, what your thoughts are. I'm trying to remember the name of the study that I often reference on DIM. I'm pretty sure it's called like effects of, is it indole-3-carbinol? On each no, that's IC3. That's another one. Oh, is it? Um, yeah. I know within this study, they supplement with 108 milligrams per day of DIM, um, which increased this urinary expression of an estrogen metabolite. Um, so it impacts on a pathway of estrogen metabolism, causing less of a potential carcinogenic form of estrogen to be created, I believe. Um, but it's whether this pathway of estrogen metabolism has anything to do with estradiol and manipulating that blood ratio specifically. I'm not an expert in that at all. Got it. Um, hey, I have a question. Yeah, it definitely makes it favor the less cancerous pathway, which is why I like it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely uh, something that I've seen in the literature over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Sue, Jeff, you question. Yeah, I have a question. Um, Joe, what, what, what are your thoughts about using something like Masteron Propionate to, um, to counter estrogen's effects on the body for both the female and the male physique? Um, so, yeah, the, when we talk about estrogenic side effects, it's not single hormone action. It's an imbalance of stimulatory to inhibitory inputs at the, at the site, right? So... A good way to describe this would be looking at like gyno is always the easiest one, right? Because the, the stimulatory and inhibitory input for glandular tissue growth is androgen and estradiol action um, at the nipple gland. So how much estrogen receptor binding is happening? Um, this is a little bit oversimplified, but it's still true. And how much androgen receptor binding is happening there? If that ratio is adjusted in excess of estrogen, we're going to see these off-target side effects of glandular growth, right? So the reason why testosterone was used for breast cancer patients, it was moved to drostanolone, as you said, Masteron, um, due to a lower virilization rate in the trial data. Um, that's exactly what, what is happening. You, you are increasing the androgen action at the site. You're not changing the estrogen action. And this is the way that we would be able to manipulate side effects without having to adjust any aromatase pathway activation. You would simply 
adjust the the action at the specific site exactly like you said so yeah absolutely uh, the things with women um they're androgen sensitive so um i'm trying to think of the the, the clinical deployment of masteron in women is if i remember correctly 300 milligrams per week um and i think about 50 percent of the women suffer virilization to some degree on this dose. i would bet at 300 megs yeah well you'd be surprised <laughs> the trial data on primobolin in women is all the way up to 1200 milligrams um, no shit wow. what they get out of that at 1200 milligrams primo a beard <laughs> well it's a long deployment um but you'll be surprised again it's about 50 percent of women um and a good rule to go by is to take roughly 10 percent of of the of the clinical deployment dose um and say this this is likely to be a somewhat i don't want to use the word safe but a a risk to reward um favorability so if we looked about 10 percent of that clinical deployment dose there Although I will say for record, that's trial data on Primo. It's clinical deployment is 300 milligrams. It's trialed up to 1,200 milligrams. Again, there's an article on my website called the highest dose steroid trial or something like that. Because a friend asked me, what's the highest dose you've ever seen? And funnily enough, it was in a, a female study, um, believe it or not. Um, so maybe Mastron said... 1,200 megs for a woman. That's, that's pretty wild. I mean, it I can't imagine so more sides. Well, the the sides weren't that bad. They were comparable to like again, That's like three hundred milligrams of mastron. That speaks highly of the the divorce from androgenicity that, that Primo has. Just how refined yeah. it is. It's not perfect, you know. It's not perfect. Yeah. We haven't got that perfect yet. Uh -huh. We will. We will one day. We're getting closer. You know, the non steroidal sounds are getting pretty close. Osterine's yeah. pretty close. Um, but yeah, that that speaks highly for the divorce, and then. You know, you can, a super interesting thing to do from there is then compare like the protein accretion rates of, of Primo to something like testosterone and nandrolone. Like, which do you think, like you'd think, well, the, the nandrolone just blows the Primo out of the water, right? Or That's the what I think. They're all the same. Yeah. At the androgen receptor, metabolically, it's all. But again, what else do they do? That's when the question comes in, you know? Um but that's also an example. I know we're bouncing around here, but this is useful. That's why we would just sort of disregard Hirschberger assays, probably, um, which is the the androgen to the androgenic to anabolic ratio um, that you see often described. Hey, look, trembolone's five times more androgenic than testosterone. Um, it's actually far less androgenic in actual practice. Um, trembolone is a steroidal sarm. Um, it's got a high high divorce from androgenicity in, in practice. Um, wow. Well, Trembolone was approved for human clinical use once um, in women for sarcopenia. Oh, wow. At 50 milligrams yeah. every 10 days. Every 10, okay. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Um, and I didn't realize that. Yeah, and what makes Trembolone quite unique is that it has a high binding affinity for the glucocorticoid receptor. Um, so it's going to prevent cortisol from binding there. And um, yeah. we were talking about synergistic relationships. We'll say if you've got whatever steroid that's causing an uptick to muscle protein synthesis, like testosterone, and then we could say, okay, we've got enough of that now, but we could get a synergy with actually attenuating muscle protein breakdown as well. Put those two on the table. You know, if you paired up 300 milligram of testosterone with 200 milligrams of trembolone, you've got a far more potent adjustment of that global 
protein synthesis to degradation ratio than just 500 milligrams of testosterone alone, for example. Sure, yeah. More bang for your buck. And remember, as I said, people go, yeah, but Trembolone isn't that all bad and whatnot. As with all Psalms, as you escalate the dose, the tissue selectivity is lost, yes. But Trembolone is an incredible compound when dosed correctly, which is going to be somewhere around this one to two milligram per kilogram of body weight per week marker. Um, for, for men or for women? That, that's a man? Um, yeah, that's for men. That's what I thought. For women, you'd probably be seeing, well, look, we got the, we got the female studies. It was 50 milligrams every 10 days, and that was fairly well right. tolerated. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what Parabolum was. That was the clinical deployment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can't remember how we got to that, but that's, that's useful, yeah. hopefully. To I just do add something, and then we went on a tangent, but that's cool. Yeah, no problem. So I'm going to circle her back. So let's talk about birth control and competing. Some women seem to be able to do it and others just can't. What's the reason for that? I know that you're going to have, because we have a lot of girls who come with us to come seek out coach, especially Jason for Metcomp years of competing birth control in tons of problems. Can't seem to do anything to fix it. Birth control comes off problem fixed, but you've put post up. That was the saying that there's other ways to perhaps work with that. And I was curious if that was true or if I misread it or what your thoughts were about birth control and competing as a whole. I did. So when we say birth control and competing, we're talking about the ability to lose body fat whilst using birth control, right? Um, yes. I did a huge research dive. Shout out to Lyle McDonald, by the way, for putting me onto the literature um, on birth control and body composition. His book uh, is great, by the way. What, the women's book? Yeah, the women's book is pretty good. Amazing. Yeah, me and Lila, Lila are good friends. Um, which is good. I'm glad to be on his friend's side. I've seen <laughs> plays people yeah. up. Yeah, he has. <laughs> but he's um he's a true genius. Um, so I mean, let let me just kind of rattle off birth control. Right. So I told you what estrogen does. That's a component of of birth control. Um, and in combined birth control, you also have progesterone, right? So next to estrogen, this is the other primary reproductive hormone in women. Um, it shares a very similar structure to other hormones like testosterone. I'm pretty sure the first two generations of progestin were derived from testosterone, um, cortisol and mineralocorticoids. So there is cross binding there. Um, to, to go through that briefly at the cortisol receptor, it's going to send a weak cortisol signal, um, which is going to reduce cortisol signaling, um, at the mineralocorticoid and androgen receptors. It just occupies the receptor and thus blocks natural binding. So note there, blocking androgen receptor binding ability. Um, but that will result in less fluid retention and androgenic side effects. Progesterone induces body fat storage in the lower body via activation of various enzymes. I remember reading one piece of research where the researcher actually called it the fats, uh, the female storage enzyme. So like, you can see why this stuff gets a bad rap. Um, it induces insulin resistance. Um, which kind of looks like a benefit by mobilizing fat for fuel. But unfortunately, when you look deeper, it increases the use of intramuscular triglycerides, not fat from adipocytes like growth hormone does. So kind of sucks there as well. Also increases hunger and cravings. Um, so literature shows an increase of progesterone and a drop of estrogen that occurs in the luteal phase can cause an increase on just ad libitum eating um, of up to 500 calories a day. So you know, unfortunately, you're creating the perfect environment for overeating and being able to effectively store that energy as body fat, you know, so it's like a double whammy. Um, 
But this is to ensure sufficient availability of substrate should pregnancy occur, you know, when you consider its evolutionary adaptive process there. Um, in terms of resistance training, it blocks estrogen's effects on muscular remodeling, and it blocks the effects of androgens. Um, it decreases protein synthesis and increases protein breakdown. So you've heard what estrogen does, and it's mostly, yeah, this is great. Now we've said what progesterone does, it's like, this stuff's shit. Um, that very much kind of carries out when you look at birth control, because when we use birth control, note we're talking about an umbrella term for a lot of different things. There are so many, I mean, estrogen is fairly simple. It's like ethanol, estradiol. It's always been the same. Progestins, there's so many. There's so many derived from different parent hormones across different generations, all kinds of different stuff. Um, so within here, you've got combined birth control, which is both synthetic progesterone and estrogen. Um, there's a, there's a kind of minor differences on what it can do to body composition, depending on the type. Um, so like you've got triphasic birth control, which is dosed to mimic the endogenous hormonal changes during the menstrual cycle. So they increase estrogen in the middle part of the cycle and progesterone is increased twice in the entire cycle, just like the normal hormone cycle. Um, and weight does appear to fluctuate intracycle, but it returns to baseline. So it seems like you're just getting some of that fluid fluxing from estrogen. doesn't really seem to do anything to body fat for the most part. Now, triphasic birth control does cause some birth uh cause cause some birth control would hope so cause some fat gain after sustained use so what, what kind of birth control is that like uh do you know a trademark name of that what i i guess say like um so that would be uh, i don't know the th this is if anyone's using a birth control that's both progesterone and estrogen combined mm -hmm. um and they're dosing it to mimic um endogenous hormone changes during their normal hormonal cycle so you usually take a bit more estrogen in the middle of your hormonal cycle and then you take more progesterone um on like day or usually like a week in no sorry um you take more progesterone usually like 10 days in and then even more progesterone in the the latter half of the cycle um I, I seldom see this on i do a lot of consultation with women on birth control i seldom see this anymore but it's worth mentioning because there are people using this um so in the literature on this a lot of the subjects gain more than five pounds um uh, this kind of working theory here is that this is likely due to the higher progesterone in the final week um because it is escalating there and we know you know we just said what progesterone does um so that would be a consideration if you're on prep and using this um you know whether you want to be making those big you know i'm not your doctor but whether you want to be um accumulating that progesterone as much as you should be um usually these days it's, it's monophasic birth control rather than triphasic so monophasic is pretty simple it just retains the same level of progesterone and estrogen across the entire 21 day pill cycle um, there's a smaller effect here. You see an increase of about three to four pounds when people go on it, but this is just fluid retention from the escalation of estrogen really. Um, but again, you know, like you were saying, Jason, this might be a consideration if you're trying to come in looking super hard and you're taking exogenous estrogen, the same thing that we were talking about there, you know, um, that is a consideration. Um, I'll tell you something interesting though. There's some newer combined birth controls that actually decrease fat mass. Um, 
similar to what we're seeing with like steroids and non-steroidal sarms, we're seeing more selective um, birth controls. So there's a fourth generation progestin called CMA. Um, I can't remember the, the full name, but if you search CMA and then it's, it, they combine it with ethanol estradiol, so estrogen, um, there's a small decrease in fat mass after six cycles. Um, and CMA is anti-androgenic. Um, and this is likely how it balances the effects of estrogen on fluid retention. Um, and the selective action of CMA on progesterone receptors is likely how it attenuates the gain in fat mass driven by other progestational molecules. So, you know, pretty interesting. But, you know, for the most part, the combined birth control, it's not really doing much. Which when you get into the progestin onlys that we're like, oh God, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you need to be considering. It's all downhill. So you know what we said about what estrogen does, what we said about what progesterone does. Um, imagine getting none of those good things of estrogen because it's attenuated when you take progesterone. But all of those things we said about progesterone, that's what you're kind of seeing on a progestin only. Um, there's a mean increase of less than, th than four pounds, around about four pounds at about six to 12 months of use with uh, a standard progestin only. So not a great deal. Remember the research I'm talking about here isn't in athletes. So th there's issues there and we'll come on to that in a second. Um, the exception here is Depot Provera. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Elaborate on that. Yeah. It's, um, it's a horrible, a lot of weight on that. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. Um, it's been well studied. There's a mean increase of 11 pounds in body weight and nine right. pounds body fat, which is about 3.4% of body fat um, within 36 months of uses. Pretty nasty. I'm not sure why this is still in standard use. Oh, you, you don't have to forget about taking the pill. You just have the shot. I know a lot of, um, I've had a couple clients who um, were on depot and um, for some reason, it was very popular with Brazilian women. I've encountered a lot of Brazilian women who have done the depot shot. And it's just, um, you know, very easy to use. You know, you forget about it. And it lasts, you know, it lasts in your system for at least a year. And you don't have to worry about any uh, contraceptives, you know. That's it. But it wreaks havoc on your system during that time. Yeah. Yeah, it is comparatively really nasty. Um, I will make a point on biological individuality here. If anyone's ever read these studies, you'll know some of the, the findings are absolutely insane. Um, when you look at the individual participants, I remember one study that if anyone wants to see, I could, I could dig it up because it's in my presentation on this. But one woman in the hormonal birth control group gained 72 pounds and one lost 35 pounds. So, you know, if you try to map it to a single number, it just comes out as nonsense, you know. So these, these there's massive study design issues where, their intake and their expenditures not controlled. Um, yeah. Are there studies on athletes? There's a few. They're all right. You know, there, there's two studies using low-dose monophasic progesterone-only birth control. In runners, they gain a touch less weight and gain a touch more lean body mass. Remember, fluid is lean body mass over two years, which was non-statistically significant. Um, and... Athletes cycling normally or suffering from oligomenorrhea. There's a very slight increase in body fat in the oligomenorrheic women as compared to the women cycling normally, but they're also leaner to begin with, so not statistically significant. Active women using monophasic birth control containing estrogen gain 
a little bit over four pounds over six months, you know, so we're looking at that fluid again because when they drop it, that same weight is lost. Um, so it does appear to be just fluid with the estrogen. Um, now, there is one study on female physique athletes on contest prep. There's one case study. Pretty good. They're on a mix of hormonal birth control. Um, and I will say every single one of them reached their desired body fat. Yeah, Lyle um, talked about that. I think it's in his book, isn't it? Probably. Hey, Joe, I have a question for you regarding this birth control stuff right now that we're, we're talking about. Now, obviously, like to me, this would depend on the number of receptors, I guess, or the intensity of those receptors from woman to woman um, or, you know, progesterone and estrogen receptors. Wouldn't you agree? And if, if so or if, if not, let me know. But then I want – so this is a two-part question. Um, in choosing a birth control, is there – like a safer or less deleterious uh, avenue to take if you're a woman considering the pill or, or you know, Mirena or copper IUD or, or whatever. Like, wh how would you go about making that decision knowing what you know about hormones and their receptors and everything like that? Uh oh, did you freeze up? I think you froze up. Froze up. Maybe my question was too, too hard. <laughs> no, I think he's Joe. You're muted. Joe, you're muted. Did, Joe, hey, no, did I, lost, I lost everyone. Then it all froze. You're all still frozen. Am I back? Yes, you're back. You're back. Hey, hey, you can't take the easy way out. Oh, I'm you're working now. I think my internet. Are you ready? You ready for my question? <laughs> okay. Am I back now? Am I back online? Right. A lot of you know birth controls effects and the effects of you know androgynous hormones has to do with the number of receptors a person has and how sensitive they are to these, these receptors. Mm -hmm. So going with that, you know, um, you know, generally accepted uh, principle, um, when a woman is choosing birth control, do you have any advice to um, a general female, uh, you know, not a competitor, on how to pick the safest birth control and how she could know if she was more sensitive to estrogen or or progesterone, or, or are there any tests that she could run that could help her with this decision? Exactly as you said, biological individuality is huge. If anyone's ever read the Basin studies on testosterone, some of the variability in there is ridiculous. You know, some guys gaining 30 pounds of muscle, some guy losing muscle on 600 milligrams of testosterone. So huh. there's, you know, gene expression. Um, binding affinity, density of receptors, how you transcribe, like mRNA expression to varying degrees at different receptors, blah, blah, blah. All the downstream cascading effects of these hormones are going to be ridiculously variable in individual to individual. Can you know that individual information? <laughs> Not really. Unless mm. you do kind of biopsy um, and have some serious... I mean, the first, the first ever study biopsy in muscle tissue skeletal muscle in humans for androgen receptors is happening right now in brighton in the uk i haven't seen that in another human so this isn't something that i'd probably you know uh, you could go down the road of looking at like smp expression of various genes like if you're going to take a drug that acts under um cyp is it 3a4 which is what metabolizes certain hormones hepatically right see how you express things like that. Yes, you know, that's okay. But that's, you know, that's just how much blood level of the, the drug you're going to get. I think you have to just look at the, the bigger picture of 
statistically we're, we're average, right? Statistics says we're probably average. Um, so look at what the averages are. So as a whole, hormonal birth control does appear to alter body composition. Monophasic, you see fluid retention via estrogen increases. So that might be one that, you know, you have to factor in the increase in, in estrogen. Triphasic, we see some fat gain, which is mediated via the progesterone increases. Progesterone only, we see higher fat gain, especially in the long-acting analog. So if you're going to use one, in my opinion, it would be monophasic. I appreciate that advice. I actually wanted to say that that stuff was like really up there as far as uh, the education side um, <laughs> on it. Uh, I give you props for being able to recall that. Uh, due to time, I want to, because we had a really cool one, stack design with tests and estrogen levels, but I guess we could do that uh, later time. But you said something earlier. You said there would be a steep wake-up call for men due to anti-estrogen juice. And yes. I want to talk about anti-estrogen use in men and women. What did you mean by that about the steep wake-up call? Because I heard that immediately wrote it down, so I wouldn't forget. I don't think people understand the deleterious health effects of not only, you know, because you could say, hey, yeah, but I'm using high testosterone. I need my estrogen to be normal. Um, okay, like even if we're not talking about low estrogen, that it's missing the point. The point is what happens when actually you adjust the ratio. Um, can I quote some points from someone that I consider a mentor? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. That's what we do. We believe in it. Um, I know these are by heart, so it's fine. Um, there's, uh, in my opinion, the world's leading androgen researcher, um, Dr. Scott Howell. He's spent a long time, tens of thousands of studies, um, and he has five main conclusions that I think are really relevant here on this point. So all credit to Scott Howells for what I'm about to say. If I, if I fuck this up, sorry, Scott. Um, number one is the optimal cellular physiology of sex steroid target tissues depends on the androgen to estradiol ratio rather than single hormone action in isolation, which we spoke about. So I'll just repeat that optimal cellular physiology of sex steroid target tissues. So places where sex steroids are going to bind like estrogen and like androgens, the optimal physiology depends on the androgen to estrogen ratio, not the single hormone action in isolation. And in humans, this ratio is controlled by aromatase enzyme levels set through the aromatase gene. Um, and what we see is when you alter this ratio in either direction, it leads to pathology of most organ systems. So issues with organ systems. Um, aromatase is a fail-safe mechanism um, to protect organ systems through the needed levels of estradiol for organ protection relative to circulating endogenous or exogenous androgens. So that's a super important point a fail-safe mechanism to protect organ systems through the necessary levels of estradiol. It's pre-programmed in your gene expression for that ratio to occur at how it's going to occur. So however you aromatize that testosterone that you're taking, this ratio is already decided, right? And there's only 20 cases of true aromatase deficiency or 
true aromatase excess syndrome that have ever been described in medical literature. So really there's no reason for us to be blocking aromatase in men on TRT or bodybuilders taking huge amounts of synthetic androgens. So it's this hormone ratio that we need to pay attention to. Is there a formula for that ratio or how do we know it's looking good? Um, I mean, there's not going to be a formula. There's going to be biological inter-individual variation as always. Um, what we can say is that, and, and also the issue is, I mean, what blood work can you get that's going to show every single androgen that a bodybuilder takes, right? That's difficult. Right. Um, the reason, the way that I would structure this is I would take as much testosterone that you as a genetically unique individual can tolerate without off-target side effects occurring. Um, when you get to that level, without, and this is without any manipulation of um, aromatase, of course, if you need to escalate your androgen load, if you need more protein accretion via androgens binding at the AR and, and transcribing anabolism or, or whatever mechanism of action you're interested in androgens doing, you, you would do so via drugs that are not going to affect the aromatase pathway and you would leave it alone. Is there a optimal level for men with uh, estrogen? Because I know when it comes to showtime, every guy tries to get to zero. <laughs> so that way- So you froze it. Uh, yeah, is there an optimal level for estrogen for men since we're on this topic? Um, because I know every guy tries to get to zero. That's why they like take 18 fucking milliliters of Letro a day. Um, no, there's no optimal level. We would expect it to run. You know, we have to keep this ratio in mind. Um, you know, when people get, if your testosterone is 10 times the range, they're like, this is awesome. And then estrogen is 10 times the range. They're like, ah, you know, it's like, no, that's, that's where it's supposed to be. Leave it alone. You know? Um, it's going to be dependent on your blood androgen level, right? Um, you mentioned bringing it down for a show. Uh, you know, I, I see the efficacy in why people would do that because quite clearly estrogen does drive interstitial fluid retention. But, you know, if you're a male and you're fat-free, you're not going to be holding any fluid because you've got nowhere to hold it other than intramuscularly, right? Mm. And that's great, yeah. Surely you'd, you'd want that. You know, I've had quite a few preps with clients where we've escalated the testosterone towards the end of the phase. Um, and consider the effect of estrogen on glucose transport. How many times have you heard this anecdote? Oh, I was just eating as many carbs as I couldn't, and I just couldn't get them to stick. Oh, yeah, what AI, what AI were using? Yeah, you know, I was using three milligrams of Letro or whatever it is. If you don't have the relevant cofactors in place, um, to uptake glucose into the muscle cell, then you're fucked. Excuse my language. Um, so <laughs> you, you'd want if you were fat free, you'd you'd want higher estrogen, really. You know, um, you. But I, you know, the consideration being, if you haven't quite nailed it, yeah, I know people are going to have to use AIs for for a, for an acute period. Again, touch on the fact that their action is very, very, very fast. You don't need to use them from four weeks out, three weeks out, two weeks out. God, you can use them from a week out. It's going to slam your estrogen, you know, if that's what you need to do, if you're not in shape, you know, okay. Um, 
but it's the off-season use. It's the long-term use that worries me because just like Dr. Scott says, here's the pathology of organ systems that we're going to see because estrogen is highly neuroprotective, renal protective, um, cardioprotective. You know, there's so many <laughs> protective. In fact, a lot of the, I'm sure you've seen some of the biggest worries of androgens now being the neurotoxicity. In, in those studies, that, that is attenuated when they put estrogen in there, like with nandrolone. Um, actually adding estradiol attenuates the neurotoxicity. Um, so, you know, th th there's only benefits here. Um, aromatase inhibitors are dangerous, dangerous medications that you should do everything to avoid. Yeah, I bring up the optimal level because, you know, the majority of people over here in the States is always optimal, optimal, optimal. I know the three of us can speak to that. The clients we get, the women want to be optimal. Like I had a woman message me on uh, IG and she was like, oh, you got to talk about estrogen. I have this question for your guests. But it was, um, if you think about it, she was trying to, make, I know what she was getting at. Um, it's birth control and high cortisol equals low progesterone. Um, and then, you know, the solution to that is obviously everyone pulls their birth control. Um, but I guess after what I've heard you say that, you know, maybe you should consider keeping the estrogen up and then looking at other ways to mitigate the cortisol to bring up the progesterone. But, um, overall, man, I, I can say that I'm, I'm completely blown away by all you said. I, 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 do you guys have anything to say to that? We'll make one final point that we said yeah. in the optimal. It's it just, it, what I noticed from, and you're right, it's like American clients that consult with me is like i want my estrogen like tw 25 or 30 or something like this we need to get away from this number it, it, i just want to hammer home the importance of the ratio and the ratio is important to you and again if we can't you can't biopsy someone you know one guy is going to be able to take 300 milligrams of testosterone and be fine one guy is going to be able to take a thousand milligrams and be fine <laughs> you know whatever it also consider you know there's also a consideration there that you might want to adjust your frequency of dosing to match how much cascading hormone is hitting the aromatase enzyme at any one time. You know, this is like when people say to me, I'm having estrogen issues on a TRT dose. So, you know, <laughs> there's some, that, that should, that shouldn't ever happen. And it's generally the frequency of injection there. So, you know, if we're microdosing um, even longer esters, you can, you can address that issue and get a, a a greater picture of complete stability there, but it really is a ratio and that ratio is going to be unique to everyone. It's not a ratio you can look at on blood work. You know, I can't go and get my trend blood work, but that is an androgen that's going to adjust that ratio. You know, there's many androgens um, that we can't look at on blood work. So it has to be done just with biofeedback, essentially the way that I often manipulate stack design with clients is we will make very small adjustments one at a time. It's not like, okay, you're going on blast today and you're going to go on 600 milligram of test and, and uh, you know, 400 milligrams of nandrolone or whatever. It'll be okay. We're going to just take the first step, which is just adding 100 milligrams of testosterone, let's say. And then we'll take the next step and then the next step and the next step. And it's always about what do you require right now? It's not we're going on for 12 weeks. It's this is what you're doing this week. How do things look next week? Let's get some blood work in eight weeks. What's going on there? Like, what are your requirements now? It's not blast and cruise or anything like this. And we gather data over time in that way, you know? So you're more into working on based on the symptoms than you are necessarily the blood work is what you're getting at. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I rarely get hormonal blood work with my clients. And that probably sounds a bit, um, uh, what's the word? Reckless. But what am I looking at? 
what am I looking at? Like, I don't know, like their testosterone levels, something or other. Yeah, you know, if it's an LCMS assay and they're only using testosterone, okay. You know, maybe I can see their total testosterone, the bioavailable testosterone. I can get a look on their SHBG and whatnot. You know, but how useful is that to me? I mean, it's not really, is it? You know, if, if they're not suffering any off-target side effects and that's the total androgen load, the total androgen exposure that they require, then great. You know, if it's not, then it's not. We already know that because it is completely biologically inter-individual in that sense. When I get blood work, it's to check on health markets. Um, I'm not ever really looking at hormones, no. Is that like a UK thing or is this just a Joe's thing? Um, I don't know. There's not, there's not actually many guys that, that specialize in pharmacology in the UK, luckily. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, th- I don't know that. Maybe that's something that I've just come to over the years of working with clients because, you know, I, I, just, I would just never find value in hormone blood work. TRT clients, yeah. Yeah, we're looking for specifics. You know, we're looking at that mid to upper physiological range, getting in a good spot there, checking in on bioavailable testosterone, making sure that's where we want it. Okay, cool. But bodybuilders using super physiological doses, it just means nothing. And in multi-compound use, it means even less, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a question for you. Final question. Uh, What do you recommend Jeffrey Sue do for his hamstring training? Come on! <laughs> as you know, as you know, he took that third place at Junior SA very fucking hard, and he is looking for all the cutting edge techniques. We talk a little IGF here and there. We talk about maybe a little metaform, meta, was it metaform out there injecting a little lauric acid? Where we, he's willing to go. He will go as far as he fucking needs to. So there is no bounds. This man won't conquer to get it. So I should just inject estrogen into them. It's useless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the problem with the IGF one is if you inject free IGF one without the relevant binding proteins, it's essentially just going to be lost. It's going to go somewhere. It'll be systemic IGF one. You, we need localized like autocrine, paracrine, IGF-1. And there's going to be a pretty low ceiling of binding proteins. It's going to be a physiological level of binding proteins with a super physiological level of IGF-1. And remember, IGF cross binds, binding affinity, and it likes to bind to the insulin receptor. So you might find, you just might get a big blood glucose drop, but I don't think you get any localized growth there. Um, the best thing for increasing IGF-1 is actually just um, estrogen, actually. That's, that's for real. Um, or testosterone. That's why testosterone increases mRNA expression of localized IGF-1 in muscle cells. And that's one reason why there's a synergy with growth hormone because growth hormone just increases total endocrine IGF-1. Um, but growth hormone doesn't grow muscle in and of itself. You need that synergy. That was an offshoot. Told you I'd ramble. No, uh, you know what, man? I'll be honest with you. Like a good part of this podcast, I'm just sitting here like, all right, I need to go back and like fucking read what motto this and that. Um, it was a high level dive, which I think our listeners will appreciate. Um, but I've, I had, we need to tie it up. So if there's one piece of advice to you had for, for men first about their estrogen, what would it be like a quick, like little 60 second thing? And then a quick little 60 second thing you'd give women about birth control. Oh, my, my a quick recommendation for men would be pretty simple. Do everything in your power to avoid ancillary drug use that brings about its own negatives and no positives. 
there are ancillary drugs that I think are highly useful, like metformin and an angiotensin receptor blocker. These are almost like, I consider them requirements of superphysiological drug use. Ancillary drugs like aromatase inhibitors, dopamine agonists, SERMs, do everything in your power to not use these. And, it's, and this doesn't mean that you won't get to your desired end result. Um, I'd encourage anyone, and this isn't like a flex, but I'd encourage anyone to look at my Instagram because some people go, oh yeah, you can say all this stuff, but you know, I've had clients, I took one of my clients from 200 to 300 pounds, you know, and following this, and he's <laughs> not fat. Um, <laughs> um, so this is, you know, it, this can happen. It, this doesn't mean not getting to your goals because you know, when you talk about a safer use model, people go, I don't give a fuck about that. I want to be huge. <laughs> yeah, it's about just getting there in a more intelligent manner. Sorry, that wasn't so quick. Avoid AIs, SERMs, and, and other ancillary drugs. Be intelligent with your stack design. It can be done. You're not leaving anything on the table. Um, advice for women. <sighs> Tell your partner to get the snip. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and I are in yeah, that club now. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah we balls. We're snip neutered. Sue's going to be there yeah. soon enough. Sue's going to be there soon enough. Austin was telling me about they, they actually inject your balls, man. Yeah, yeah, they do. It's the only weird part was the guy having a conversation with me with my balls in his hand. That's they, not the only yeah, weird part man. to it. They take tape your dick up to your stomach and numb it, and then boom, with this needle. They, I had three needles going. The first one hurts. After that, you're you're golden. Yeah, I didn't feel shit though. Like a twenty-one gauge. I don't remember the size, dude. <laughs> I didn't look at it. They give you Valium before you do it, so you're pretty like. I had no Valium. So I like it though. He summed it up best with the get the snap because that's how that, I think that, we, that's that how the three of us part. feel. That's how like the three of us feel about birth control. So you know, yeah, I mean, I know way too much about it. I can't like, oh yeah, girlfriend, you need to get on this. You know, I mean, I just know too much about it. Yeah, yeah. I I think I mean, there are reasons why women use birth control. Some women get there awful are PMS. there are there's, there's awful PMS. If you if your show days landing on like a week that you're gonna be absolutely wrecked. If you're a high-level professional athlete and an event you've been training for for years and years is landing on the week, you're going to be absolutely wrecked. Yeah, you know, you see this, but, you know, practical advice for bodybuilders would be avoid if, if possible, you know, because you are going to attenuate androgens. Androgens are important in bodybuilding. Um, and put it on your husband. If you are going to use it, use um, monophasic. In fact, my main, here's my main recommendation for women because, I've been working with way more women recently. I used to not really work with many women. Um, I work with quite a lot on a PD basis now, and it's mostly cleaning up stuff that other coaches have done. Um, and literally dealing with a girl yesterday that's essentially had some advice off her coach that's left her at a spot where she can't really, can't really go anywhere because she's had some voice, some vocal issues due to androgen exposure. This is a, a bikini athlete. She's kind of like, yeah, but what can I take now? Well, you know, you've, you've climbed the tree of total androgen load you can be exposed to. Um, my best case advice for women would be to absolutely exhaust every non-androgen-mediated pathway of anabolism there is. And there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, so do them first. You mentioned L-carnitine. Do that first. You know, yep. um, there's loads of stuff in there. Clenbuterol, growth hormone, insulin. Yeah. Yep. PPAR modulators like Telmasartan, metformin, you know, God, we could just keep going. There's loads. 
you know. I, I agree with you. That's that's a lot of my off-season women. If they'll use GH and slant, I'm a big proponent and stay away from the androgens. Yep, I'm so saying both. Love yeah. it, for I sure. Agree. Well, dude, thank you so much. Uh, give everyone how to follow you, where to where to find more about Joe, uh, all that stuff. Let's send, send us uh, out with some love. Yeah, for sure. Um, my Instagram is Joe Jeffrey Coaching. Jeffrey spelled G, uh, not G, J E F F E R Y. Yeah, can I spell my own name? Um, not yeah. R E Y, so it's like Jeff Ury. Um, no, we're is different. Joe coaching or is it Joe Jeffrey Youthman? <laughs> I'm asking my wife. I'm not, I'm real technophobic. I think it's Joe Jeffrey Coaching. Yeah, yeah. I changed it to Joe Jeffrey Coaching because that's also my website. So I'm at Joe Jeffrey Coaching on Instagram joejeffreycoaching.com. I've got loads of articles and stuff on there. It's all free. If anyone wants a consultation, um, they're going to be available again in a few months because I'm booked up for the next three months. Um, so you can put your name on the list. If you want, you can do that on the website or you can just go on the scheduling thing and book three months in advance. That's fine. Um, I think that's it. I think that's everything. I'm on Facebook as Joe Jeffrey, but I don't really use it that much. Um, but if anyone wants help on anything, just drop me a DM on Instagram and I'll try my absolute best to get back to you. If you want to hear my podcast, um, Optimal Physique Development, um, that's also on my website or you can search that on Apple. I do that with Austin. And if you're into just like two English guys talking shit and talking about like donuts and stuff, you can listen to CarbsCast. That's CarbsCast.com. Got food review slash bodybuilding. Um, waste of time podcast. Um, honestly, I imagine a, an American that absolutely hate it, but English people love it. <laughs> it's that, like it's um, our humors are really different, aren't they? Um, I hear that. Yeah, they are. That's why I love it. <laughs> Tune in, be like, it's not even funny, but it's funny. <laughs> you know Austin has a very English humor. Yeah, he does. He's he's he's. He, I agree. I see that there, man. You make me laugh. Man. Yeah, yeah, he can. We act. Ash, did you ask him about his mechanical bull experience here in Nashville? <laughs> you need to ask him about the mechanical bull he rode here in nashville that was so awesome <laughs> we have video of it i'll have to send it to you but yeah we do yeah yeah i want to see that chef jeff rode the mechanical bull he got up there stripped his shirt off and this little security guy was about to tackle and kick the shit out oh, of his them things that, that, that you ride that i like, spin around yeah 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 <laughs> austin do one yes he yeah. did yeah i gotta see that. tiny little he had these tiny little shorts on that he wore out to the bar <laughs> And he like had a fanny I, pack. I only wear them to like the pool and he just wears them out <laughs> and then he's on this pool with these big old legs it was crazy. yeah he had his what he had a fanny pack of kittens too like it was oh like, yeah yeah that's gangster. Dude, the whole thing was a riot <laughs> it was well dude thank you so much we'll have to have you back on again um For sure. you know and have, i definitely want to get into stack design that really piqued my interest and that's oh, that's dude, a hell of a topic yeah um so, guys, next week I have a really good treat, which I think will make Joe Jeffrey himself jealous. I have Paul Austin, host of Third Wave, coming on, and he wrote a book called Microdosing Psychedelics, and we are going to do a whole show about psychedelics next week, and we're going to talk about, like, the performance enhancement side and how that might bleed over into sports, recovery. I can tell you that when I microdose that my workouts are monsters, and we're going to kind of take some deep dives into those uh, – various chemicals and uh also i guess plants too because there's mushrooms in there but uh tune in next week give us some love give us a shout out tell joe you loved them all that good stuff but thanks guys i'll see you all next week all right bye bye guys see you later dude thanks for having me thank you joe i appreciate it man have a good one dude yeah you too bro we'll chat soon see you later yes sir but bye-bye